Hello guys, uh, how are you doing? It is a Thursday night. I'm actually posting this a little bit late. Just wanted to give some thoughts over the weekend. Had an amazing trip uh, presenting for Matchroom on their host broadcast from the Monaco Boxing Bonanza in uh, the Casino de Monte Carlo, right on the bay in Monaco. Uh, a fantastic night. Uh, kind of mixed card, kind of failed to ignite to a certain extent, but a couple of good stories along the way. Uh, kind of on the boxing front, Danny R. Yelusinov, Kazakhstani welterweight who won Asian Championship, won World Gold, Olympic Gold in 2016. Beat the likes of Josh Kelly en route to, to that. Is kind of making his way in the pro ranks and he impressed with uh, stoppage, kind of some laser rights. And I think a guy who's fighting Nicaragua and Marcus Mojica kind of didn't want to uh, compete too much, ended up getting stopped. But looks sharp, Yelusinov. Uh, a lot of pressure on him, a lot of expectation, I suppose. And He's making his way under the promotion of Matchroom in the UK. He's fought in the USA as well already. And sort of obviously keen, I guess, from that amateur background, travelling the world to get out and about, spread his name. Big division, of course. Some big names. Uh, it was a strange, I mean, it was a strange old night. The scene, a few hundred people, dignitaries. It was supposed to be Black Tie Affair. I wore a Dickie Bowen, Darren Barker, former middleweight world champion who was hosting alongside me. We kind of analysed between the fights for territories outside of the UK, like uh, states, New Zealand, people who want to pick up the world feed, who want English language analysis. And we were there and uh, some people sort of, maybe some of the uh, the more affluent types didn't quite go the full dicky bow, but Prince Albert II was there, son of Grace Kelly, reigning monarch. It kind of goes hundreds of years, this, this kind of strange sovereign state, second smallest state in the world after the Vatican. And um, it was a smattering of, of, of people, effectively compared to the arenas I've been to the past few years. Uh, months 80,000 at Wembley Stadium Manchester Arena a couple of weeks ago 20,000 that kind of stuff but it was uh, it was a, it was an experience so Danny Yelusinov was kind of the class act on show Frank Bullioni lost to Fan Long Meng light heavyweight contest in uh, in the ring and first up and Bullioni has since retired he had to retire on the night because of a cut was probably down on the cards I'd imagine at the time I can't remember if they were or not but he'd had had a little bit of trouble against Meng, a southpaw from China, who's had a kind of uh, decent amateur career, actually noted, but without winning big uh, big medals. And Bulioni is now retired, age twenty nine, which is you know a little bit sad, but one honours earlier in his career, challenged for a world title against Fedor Chudinov, got stopped by Callum Johnson at British level this year, and perhaps just thought it was best to go on his way. He's had a big following, I think maybe that pushed him along. That kind of fickleness of of boxing is the fact you sell tickets, you get pushed early. To a certain extent, you get protected, but also I think you'd end up getting pushed forward a little bit. And um, big following from Enfield, very popular guy, former model as well, good-looking lad, Italian heritage in North London. Um, and yeah, he uh, he's announced triumph. So best luck to him. Also on the nights, it was the main event was Denis Lebedev, uh, Lebedev, who's a former world champion at cruiserweight southpaw, age thirty-nine. Now actually made his debut professionally in February. 2001 but interesting story and gives insight I suppose into the the global rise of boxing as well because he um, gave up the sport he was actually a light heavyweight for the first few years of his career 12 and a half stone 175 pounds and he chose to go because there wasn't enough money in boxing at the time 2004 came back 2008 under the uh, the kind of encouragement of uh, Alexander Povetkin who recently lost to Anthony Joshua at Wembley in that heavyweight world title fight former world champion himself uh, Povetkin, who's a Russian 
friend and said a similar age actually to Lebedev said to come back in 2008 he's had this kind of career won the world title since was out of the super series recently which was won by Alexander Usyk's had a timeout and he had a, a fight against a sort of unknown unheralded and unbeaten American Mike Wilson a guy had kind of frustrated himself at amateur level 35 years of age now from Oregon in the northwest of the US and he had wanted to compete at the Olympics, didn't make it 04, had faded out of the picture by 2008, was 19-0 coming into it the night, uh, but looked like he was going to be outclassed by Lebedev early on. Uh, it's the first time he's mixed to that level, really, of elite level, the Russian Lebedev, who comes out in Air Force, Russian Air Force kit, which is fascinating to see, real regalia, and uh, it was quite a contrast because uh, Mike Wilson, despite being 35, has got some glitzy kind of skate gear, so it was quite a, a nice contrast of, uh, of outfits. But Wilson looked, had his nose really bloodied, really meshed up early by a southpaw. He was a smaller man at 5'11", Lebedev. But Mike Wilson um, was uh, game and, and, and committed and, and kept going. His family, his mum and dad were there, his wife, I believe, saw, uh, were out in the crowd. And I think thankfully for them making that journey and for him, I suppose, for this, this sort of kind of career high point for him and in his 20th professional fight was that he's, he lasted a night. But for Lebedev, I suppose, people will look at it the other way and say that perhaps that indicates that he's not going to have another tilt in his 40th year. And it's just that sense of the passing of time, isn't it? I know you feel it, actually. I'm 37 now, and when you play football, just that little bit of gas goes. And it gives you an inkling, actually, the reality of life is it's finite. Energy only lasts so long, and that's for sports people. It's obviously a, a kind of more rapid realisation of that than for most of us. But it's a good reminder that you have to do seize the day, carpe diem and everything, because particularly a sportsman fight, Lebedev, you wonder if you did, will regret maybe taking that four years out. And perhaps it is the the affluence in boxing, the money, the energy in it that's attracted him back and maybe a, a good decision for him. I'm not sure how much he got paid the night. Very classy guy. Saw him on the promenade in Monaco earlier in the day. Summer's out and he was strolling around in his tracksuit and came up and just shook a hand and very friendly guy, actually. Um, so it's that's it. But just that sense there wasn't that snap, there wasn't that energy that to, to, to do a quick one-two and let his left hand go and couldn't then follow up to to maybe force a stoppage against Mike Wilson to really kind of have an emphatic victory there. And perhaps he needs to announce in the likelihood that Alexander Usyk, who's, of course, undisputed cruiserweight champion, moves up to the heavyweight division. So cruiserweight 14 stone four for people who are uninitiated. And it's a, it's a tricky move up now because, of course, we're looking at heavyweight fights we can where uh, six foot nine inch Tyson Fury goes up against Deontay Wilder. Six foot seven and a bit, I think, did Wilder. Um, so it's a land of the giants. So it's even at 14 stone four moving up, there's a lot of guys that struggle to make that 14 four that perhaps can't make an impression on these big guys who are not only big in stature, big in weight, 17 stone, you know, 230, 240 pounds in imperial measurements. And I'm not sure what in K that is, is it 100 kilograms, something like that? Big boys. Um, so that's going to be fascinating to see Usyk move up. But the, the cruiserweight scene, perhaps, you know, vacant now for people like Marek Gassi has to come back and other guys to, to make an impression. Perhaps Lebedev won't be. Uh, one of one of those ranks, but it was a, it was an intriguing night actually, intriguing place, full of history, full of commercialization, of course, full of affluence, the yachts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but kind of knock on effect, interestingly, of that is that ordinary things just get marked up huge. So a can of Heineken's eighteen euros, which would be probably fifty cents down the road, and that's a that's an interesting perspective on um, on the place Monaco actually is, how much you kind of want to save your money and go and live there perhaps fascinating place to visit there's a lot of history to it a lot of it being a kind of state for incredibly you know resisted french french control for a long time on the night though for for me i guess the the poignant one and the, and the sort of highlight and the thing that got the crowd most roused was michael hunter 
Jr., son of Mike Hunter, who was a heavyweight in the late 80s, 90s, who actually beat some some pretty big names. He won the North American Boxing Association Championship and he he beat uh, Oliver McCall, who you know, winning world title, fighting Frank Bruno as well, lost that night. And, um, you know, Pinklin Thomas as well, big name from that era. He beat him, I think, on points towards the end of Thomas's career. would have been nearly 40, I think, when he, when he fought him. But he died tragically... Uh, about 12 years ago, I believe, and his son, Michael Hunter, was a cruiserweight, lost to Alexander Uzik, actually, who I mentioned, on route for Uzik, becoming that dominant force, the Ukrainian, but he's moved up to heavyweight, six feet, two inches tall, people say he's a little bit small, he actually ballooned up in weight for his first heavyweight, he started out in heavyweight, but he's been a kind of yo-yo, gone those guys caught between the weights, which is a fascinating insight into boxing, that sometimes you don't quite fit the weight, which is a huge part of boxing, is, is getting that right, and mixing with the the right company and competing with the right guys but he's gone back up to heavyweight and had gone up to like 227 pounds but has dropped back down to sort of 210 which is only around 210 215 so a stone or so above the cruiserweight limit so he's kind of find that natural ebony for six foot seven and a half inch 20 stone guy a guy who was 70 pounds heavier than him five stone in uh, british measurements and I think it was about 30 kilograms, if you like it that way. Uh, so huge, but he was just doing big overhand rights. And Alexander Ustinov was 41 years of age, another Russian who'd only lost twice before, had challenged for a world title against Manuel Chara, a version of the WBA belt about a year ago. And Ustinov just looked, I mean, if you say that Lebedev had lacked that little bit of spark, a little bit of energy to go the extra mile, but obviously it was conditioned. Ustinov wasn't, and Father Time had certainly kind of grabbed him and given him a, a rough housing and, and things like that, because he just looked lost in there. and despite a guy who was giving away six inches on him and he's nearly six foot eight, Ustinov just eventually got stopped in in horrible circumstances, really, because the referee should have stopped it earlier and eventually happened. But it's poignant words afterwards. I thought it was a rousing finish for, for Michael Hunter, who wants to tackle his heavyweight division. He's only lost once, as I say, as a professional in now 17 fights, I believe. And he'll, uh, he'll join those ranks of Americans hoping to get involved in the British scene, which is where the energy, the money is, the magnetism of, of Anthony Joshua and maybe Tyson Fury, uh, Dillian White, uh, Derek Chisora, people like that. And he perhaps will be kind of under, understudied the right now to Deontay Wilder and Jarrell Miller. But, you know, he keeps making inroads, keeps saying that that could be, could be interesting. He's a good talker. He's been part of Vladimir Klitschko's camps in the past as well, former, you know, reigning king of the heavyweight division for a long time. And he uh, afterwards dedicated the fight to his dad, his sudden intention for an emotional goal to, to win the North American Boxing Association heavyweight title following the ranks of his dad. So I think that's a good story. I think the fact that his dad was a boxer, his dad was killed, I believe, was shot maybe, if I get my facts correct, in 2006. So it's a, a kind of another story that people like with boxers that buy into it, that narrative, and uh, it plays on the human emotion as well. And he's an entertaining guy the way he went for, for Ustinov. So yeah, it was, a, it was a surreal night. I had a nice swim in uh, Monaco. I mean, that's the thing. The climate's fascinating. It's amazing down there. I went on the beach. I uh, went stayed at the Monte Carlo Bay Hotel. Thank you to Matchroom and, and the people that there in Monte Carlo for having us. And it was great. We had a dip in the morning on Sunday before flying back. And just amazing. The sea was warmer than England in the in the summer. And um, it gives you that that sense of, of, of that aspect of lifestyle I'm very envious of. I think <clears throat> if you value money and things like that, I can see why people go there to save money and the, the tax regime and, and, and the affluence and the yachts and the, and the places. But I think for me, that, that beautiful climate and the, and the sort of facilities down there is big attraction and uh yeah the Mo- monaco box boxing uh boxing bonanza maybe didn't ins- ignite the weight could have done because with lebedev and things like that but it was a good night anyway med draper i'm a sports presenter in the uk we'll update from time to time but do get in touch uh, twitter ed draper 
<coughs> 81, excuse me, got winter cold coming on, Ed underscore Draper 81 on uh, Instagram, and I'm on LinkedIn as well if you're interested in my broadcasting activities. I'm actually trying to do a little bit there with students because a lot get a lot of broadcast journalists, wannabe presenters, TV reporters, uh, writers, uh, journalism students generally getting in touch and try and post some sort of insight information there because I've been going about sort of 10, 15 years now after graduating in the States. Uh, did a lot of stuff out there, radio, TV, came back to the UK, radio, and now mainly working as a TV presenter at Sky Sports and doing this world feed stuff at the moment for Matchroom and writing a little bit for givemesport.com, which you can find online as well, a few boxing articles on there. But anyway, I hope you're well. I might have a few thoughts later on about Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury happening in Los Angeles, Staples Centre, I'm guessing in the early morning, probably not that early actually, given the eight-hour time difference, UK-wise Sunday morning, but I'm on late over the weekend presenting uh, in London, so it might be difficult to watch it, uh, but I'd love to, because I think that's going to be probably 5, 6 a.m. in the UK. Uh, fascinating, absorbing match, and be interesting to see how much it grips America as well, because that's Wilder's big calling card, big pull, if he wants to negotiate a heavy, uh, heavy price for the unification fight, potentially with Joshua, should he beat Fury, which is by no means a foregone conclusion. But yeah, I'm kind of uh, a sports journalist and I'm interested in the the sort of interplay between sport, why I've been enthused by it, what we learn from it, the mastery, discipline. Uh, reading a piece today in the Times about a man who set up a, a, th- a thing in London with boxing, which is for some people morally contentious boxing because of the, the, the danger of, of serious ill health and death sometimes from it. But he's talking about rescuing lives in London, getting people off the streets from gang warfare, channeling that violence, that aggression. I think there's so many aspects of sport that are positive and not not only just escapism, but but you know that witnessing mastery, witnessing dedication, witnessing focus, witnessing the ability to be present and things like that. That's why I love it, and I think a lot of those things are present in boxing, and courage in particular as well. That ability to to do something in spite of fear, which I think is the definition of courage. Um, but anyway, good to good to talk. If you like uh, these kind of freewheeling, just uh, audio updates. Uh, do get in touch just kind of need to do these more often and get a few more interviews up here soon as well when I'm out and about had a really good chat with Carl Frotch and Matthew Macklin and Johnny Nelson over breakfast on Sunday actually in the hotel in Monaco uh, former world super middleweight champion Carl Frotch a couple of times Matt Macklin arguably should have won a world title against Felix Sturm so we'll say robbed on the judges scorecards and Johnny Nelson long-serving cruiserweight world champion and talking about the dynamics of coaching and how the kind of opportunism of some trainers in boxing that kind of people hang around the gym and maybe flatter a boxer into to bringing them on board and, and, and flatter their ego and, and insecurities. And so lots of interesting stuff from those guys talking about psychology of boxing. And it was uh, it was intriguing. And uh, and how fatherhood mellows you, mellows you actually and it com- complicates it when you're a boxer, which I've noticed in my personality. And I think they said that it kind of does make the uh, the kind of fight game a little bit harder to pursue when you... And you've got that softer side to you that's, that's provoked by becoming a dad. So things like that. And I'd like to talk to those guys about that and get them on here as well. But anyway, appreciate your time. Ed Draper, 81 on Twitter. Get in touch. I'll speak to you soon.